Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, listeners. Here is a brand new episode that you've never heard before. But before we start, I have a cool new story podcast from one of my sponsors to tell you about. The guys at Spoken have come up with a murder mystery story for learners of English. It comes in various parts, has loads of study materials with it, and is entirely free. You can subscribe to it on the website by going to getspoken.com slash LEP. So uh, their mystery story series is called The Wrong Man. And it's a four-episode podcast story for learners of English filled with drama and mystery. The exciting format will keep you listening until the last moment and also help you to improve your English. Can you help to solve the murder? So a little bit of storyline. Detective Becky Menendez of the Los Angeles Police Department was hoping to enjoy her night off. But one phone call changes everything. After a murderer escapes from prison and another victim turns up dead, it will be up to her to solve the case. Can she do it? So that's a little synopsis of the wrong man. So this story series is specially designed for people trying to learn English and improve their English. Uh, each episode contains conversational English that will help improve your listening and you'll also get to enjoy a great mystery while you're doing it. So there are many resources available that will help you along the way, including four high-quality audio episodes that you can listen to anytime and they're available on the website and as a podcast. Full transcripts and study guides for each episode available free uh, and you can use those to follow along to make sure that you understand every word of dialogue. And also Facebook live discussion shows for each episode uh, in which you can talk with the creators, ask questions and have fun. So yes, The Wrong Man and accompanying resources are entirely free. And actually, if you share it with your friends, you can unlock additional free resources too. Uh, and to get early access to future episode transcripts, study guides and videos and things like that, you can just go to their website. Uh, it's getspoken.com slash LEP. Okay. Uh, in fact, if you do that, you can, you can sign up now to access the first episode of The Wrong Man. Just go to getspoken.com slash LEP or click a spoken logo on my website. So that sounds cool. It's all completely free and just sounds like a cool way to learn some English while enjoying a fun mystery story, okay? All right then, cool. So uh, let's now start the episode and here's the jingle. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, folks. Welcome to a new episode. Today, I'm doing an episode on the theme of British accents and culture by focusing on the notion of poshness in people. I'll explain everything I think you need to know about what the word posh really means. And then I'm going to go through a list of famous British people, give some details from their Wikipedia pages, 
perhaps listen to some samples of them talking, and you've got to work out if they are posh or not posh. I've decided to name this game Posh or Not Posh. This will probably take several episodes, so to be honest, I might not actually get to the Are They Posh or Not quiz until part two, but we'll see. As I'm talking about how posh people speak, you'll probably be wondering what their accents sound like. So I'll do some posh accents throughout the episode and you'll have a chance to listen to lots of speech samples of people, some posh, some not, in probably the next part of this episode. The reason I'm doing this is to help you understand what posh really means and how to identify poshness in people. The thing is that as an English person, when I meet another English person, I can work out in just a few minutes quite a lot about them based on the way that they speak, look and behave. Now, perhaps I shouldn't because you're not supposed to jump to conclusions about people or judge a book by its cover. But in my experience, English people are able to identify things about each other, like social background and so on, and probably make certain judgments about each other by noticing clues that non-native speakers uh, of English are often not aware of. In many cases, the most revealing clues are the linguistic ones like speech patterns, accent, choice of words. So I want to help you to understand this whole subject and to notice these clues so that you can understand this whole thing like someone from the UK. Now, I don't want to teach people to be judgmental or to encourage you to make assumptions about people based on the way that they speak, but I do want to just help you to learn how to identify certain cultural and linguistic clues that you might otherwise be unaware of. In the process, you'll learn details about upper-class society in the UK, what makes a person truly posh or not, how posh people really speak, and you'll learn some more about some famous UK celebrities and the ways that they speak English. I should say too that I don't believe that being posh is automatically a good or bad thing really. It depends on the behaviour and attitudes of people as individuals and it's not fair to make generalisations about everyone. So I'm not saying that being posh is a bad thing even though posh people are sometimes disliked by people in the UK for various reasons. I'm also not saying that posh people should be looked up to for any particular reason. I'm just trying to help you to learn what posh English really sounds like. So first of all, what does posh really mean? First, we need to clarify exactly what posh means and what makes someone truly posh. I have mentioned this word quite a few times before on this podcast, but anyway, here it is again. So posh, when referring to people, according to the Collins Dictionary, it's an adjective, and if you describe a person as posh, you mean that they belong to or behave as if they belong to the upper classes. For example, I wouldn't have thought she had such posh friends, or he sounded so posh on the phone. So basically, it means high class, upper class, not just rich. There's a lot more to it than that, as we will see later. So poshness really refers to uh, being upper class or high class. Um, I should probably mention posh spice at this point, Victoria Beckham. Some of you might be thinking of Victoria Beckham at this point because her nickname in the Spice Girls was Posh Spice because we had Ginger Spice, Scary Spice, Baby Spice, Sporty Spice and Posh Spice. The press in the UK gave her that, that nickname 
because she had an air of sophistication and class about her and she liked to wear quite chic clothes. But in terms of her background, she wasn't really posh at all. Now, you could argue that she is now more posh than she used to be in some senses of the word because she has achieved quite high status and is probably very rich and quite well connected in the fashion world and so on. But there's there's more to it than that, as I've said. So she still isn't truly posh. You can hear it in the way that she speaks. The same applies to David Beckham, who, although he's rich, successful, high status in the sense that he's a successful celebrity footballer, he's well connected, and he brushes shoulders with royalty and so on, he's not really posh either. So that's the word posh for people, upper class, basically. And that doesn't really explain it, though, because now we're into the whole concept of the class system and what upper class really means, if indeed it still means anything these days, since we're living in an era when arguably class distinctions don't really exist anymore. Although I don't really agree with that, or at least you can, I think you can still see traces of the class system running through society in terms of power and the attitudes that we have about each other. I'll come back to this stuff about poshness in people in a moment. I also want to say that we can say that things are posh too, not just people. So let's look at posh when referring to things. Again, it's an adjective. If you describe something as posh, you mean that it is smart, fashionable and expensive. For example, celebrating a promotion that my wife got at work, we went to a posh hotel for some cocktails. So if like if you wanted to celebrate something, you might go to a posh hotel or a posh restaurant. You might if your friend's got a new car, you might say, "Oh, that's a posh car." Um if it's like a, you know, an expensive car of some kind. Uh, another example would be they're having a posh dinner party in the house over the road. So you can see guests arriving and they're dressed nicely and you can see into the window and they've got candles up set up on the table and it all looks very posh. They're having a posh dinner party. So that's poshness when referring to things. We also use the adjective for anything which is fancy or high quality. For example, you might say, I've just got a posh new laptop. Okay, so that's poshness in things. It just means kind of expensive and smart, basically. Back to poshness in people then. So what is upper class? How do we define upper class or high class? It can be a question of perspective. Uh, Posh can be used to just describe people who you think are of a higher class than you. And this makes it a little bit subjective because what is posh for one person isn't necessarily posh for someone else. I mean, one example would be this episode of the podcast. And this is probably going to go up on YouTube, just the audio. And I tend to reach a slightly different audience on YouTube. So I wouldn't be surprised if there were some English native speakers, like people from England, who listen to this and listen to me and think that my voice is posh. I don't think I'm posh, as we'll look at in a bit, because we're going to sort of test my poshness later on. And I don't think my accent is posh, although I do speak with received pronunciation, which is associated with kind of posh people to an extent. Certainly it is associated with things like 
um, maybe the universities and the BBC and stuff like that. So there's kind of like some poshness in there. But I, d- I don't think I'm really posh, but some people listening to this might consider my accent to be posh. And here's me saying, I'm going to do a posh accent later on. And you might be thinking, but you already sound posh. Well, I don't think so. I think there's a difference between received pronunciation, which is kind of like the standard way that I speak, and the way that a posh person speaks received pronunciation. Uh, maybe I can give you an example. I don't know, like if I was like really, really posh, I might, I might speak like a bit like this. Oh, so you, you, oh, that's, that's amazing. You've got a podcast. That's, oh, that's brilliant. They're absolutely fantastic. Absolutely bloody brilliant. I love podcasting. Yeah, my friend Toby's got his own podcast, actually. I don't know. It's a different sort of thing. There's, there's various types of posh accent. There's that sort of Sloan Square kind of guy who's like, I, I got totally hammered last night, Toby. That sort of person. And then there's a very old fashioned, Oh, hello. Yes, we're terribly, terribly posh. Oh, you've got a podcast. That is absolutely fantastic. There's that sort of thing, too. There's various types of sort of posh person. Uh, But other examples of how poshness can be subjective. Uh, For example, if you live in a hole in the ground and you see someone who lives in a cardboard box, you might say, oh, you're a bit posh, aren't you, living in a cardboard box? Look at you with your fancy lifestyle. Similarly, if you live in a little terraced house in a slightly rough part of town and you meet someone who has a detached three-bedroom house in the countryside, you might say, bloody hell, you're a bit posh. And if you live in a three-bedroom house in the countryside and you meet someone who lives in a huge stately home like the one in Downton Abbey, then you could say, wow, you're really posh. And then that person visits the Queen in Buckingham Palace and thinks, oh, this is all a bit posh, isn't it? So it kind of depends on your point of view to an extent. But it's also, it's not just your living conditions. There are other indicators of poshness. You could be homeless and yet still very posh indeed. So it's not about being rich. It's not just about where you live. You could be penniless and you could still be posh. So let's look at seven rules of being posh. How do we actually define this? Let's look at seven rules of being posh. And I've take, I'm taking this from uh, an American writer called Tim Downling. He's an American writer. He's a resident of the UK for nearly 30 years. He writes uh, for The Guardian. Uh, this is Tim Downling. You can find him on Twitter at I am Tim Downling. And he identifies seven rules of being posh. And probably as an outsider, as an American living in England for 30 years, he's probably been able to notice or identify uh, these things in ways that maybe English people couldn't. So um, after 25 years of living in Britain, US-born Tim Downling believes he has finally worked out the class system. And here's what he's learned. And Tim Downling writes, there's no one kind of poshness. There are actually seven distinct types. Poshness of birth, poshness of wealth, of accent, of education, also the poshness of excellent taste, as well as the poshness of eccentric and exuberant vulgarity, which means, for example, over-the-top excessive and showy expressions of bad taste, basically bling, you're like showing off your riches, and finally the poshness of assumed superiority. Some of these things are inextricably linked and some quite naturally overlap But almost no one is possessed of all seven qualities. So there you go. Uh, Poshness of birth, poshness of wealth, 
poshness of accent, poshness of education, poshness of excellent taste, poshness of eccentric and exuberant vulgarity, which is basically like expressions of bad taste, and also poshness of assumed superiority. I think I could also add maybe I could add poshness of eccentricity, like being a bit strange and acting a bit weirdly. We could probably add that, um, marking it out from point six, the poshness of bad taste. There's also just being a bit weird or eccentric. So, um, what's his name? Ian uh, Tim Downling thinks that almost nobody is posh in all seven categories. Let's consider the Queen. She's probably the poshest person in the country. I mean, she is uh, definitely the poshest person. She probably possesses all seven qualities. Let's have a look at how. So the poshness of birth, this relates to your family connections to the aristocracy, uh, which is a clear hierarchy of status. The higher you are in the family, the posher you are. So the queen is without doubt extremely posh by birth. She is the monarch, so she has all the connections to all the highest members of the aristocracy, you know, through history. So there's no question that she's very posh in relation to her birth. Then category two, poshness of wealth. Basically, the richer you are, the posher you are. And the Queen is obviously very rich. I don't think she's the richest person in the country, actually. But she's obviously extremely wealthy and has lots of old money. So she's very posh in that category, too. Number three, the poshness of accent and register. This is basically the way that you speak, uh, the way that you pronounce words, and also the, the words that you choose when you speak. And the Queen is known for speaking in a very, very posh way. Oh, hello. Yeah. I, I don't know. Is it like that? The Queen, I mean, this, this, the sort of, the jokey version of the Queen is that the Queen speaks like this. Hello, I'm the Queen. But really, it's, it's kind of, the Queen speaks rather like this. It's, at this time of year, one, one's thoughts turn to family. Family. So not family, but family. One's thoughts turn to the family. Um, so absolutely, she marks very high in terms of poshness of accent. Poshness of education. This is the school and university that you went to. And certain schools and certain universities are, are very posh indeed. In terms of the universities, it's going to be Oxford and Cambridge. But in terms of the schools, we're talking about the very exclusive public schools. They're called public schools, but they're not really. They're actually private and they have, they're very difficult to get into. And you tend to find that the kids of all the richest and most well-connected people end up going to these public schools. We're talking about schools like Eton and Harrow. And the Queen had, obviously, the highest level of private education. She had private tutors who would teach her one-to-one. I think um, she's extremely well-educated. And also other members of the royal family, like um, William and Harry, for example, went to public schools. So obviously the the monarchy, the royal family, they're known for their uh, high level of education. Uh, Number five, the poshness of excellent taste. This basically means being into the fine arts, fine wine, fine food, anything with the word fine before it, basically. High, high art, fine art, and stuff like that. That's the poshness of excellent taste. And I think the Queen is probably marked very highly in this category in the sense that I think that Buckingham Palace is full of fine art. Um, 
Uh, point six is the poshness of eccentric and exuberant vulgarity. For example, over-the-top, excessive and showy expressions of bad taste or bling, which is kind of in, in contradiction to point five. Because in point five, it's like highly sophisticated levels of taste in terms of fine art and stuff, but also a sort of exuberance showing off your wealth. And I think that actually the Queen does rate quite highly in this category as well when you think about it. I mean, she lives in a palace. She lives in a huge palace which has um, uh, armed guards parading in front of it. Um, She's got a golden, like, uh, carriage that she rides around in sometimes. And it's like gold-plated, a gold-plated chariot which is pulled by horses. She has, like, a big crown and some very expensive jewels. So I think that, um, I think she does rate highly in terms of her exuberant vulgarity. Is it vulgar? I mean, it's a bit... For anyone else, it would be pretty vulgar, wouldn't it? Riding around in a golden horse-drawn carriage. So I think she rates quite highly in that one as well. And number seven, poshness of assumed superiority. Now, I think that the Queen is probably quite nice when you meet her, if you ever get the chance to meet her. I'm sure she's very nice. But I do think that the Queen and probably other members of the royal family have this kind of inbuilt sense of superiority where they kind of talk down to people. Um... I'm trying to think of a good example. I mean, there is actually, funnily enough, there's an example from a film. Uh, This is a slightly strange example, but I think it works. There's an example from a film, a Terry Gilliam film. Terry Gilliam uh, was was a member of Monty Python's Flying Circus. He was the animator and the film director. Uh, He's gone on to make various other films like, for example, 12 Monkeys with Bruce Willis. Um, so Terry Gilliam made a film in the 80s which was called Time Bandits Time Bandits and it's it's a group of it's about a group of dwarfs who steal a map from God and the map is basically full of little black holes and um, the, you can use those holes to travel through time and it's like a map of the universe and they use the holes to travel through time and um, steal things from people throughout history so they're basically time bandits they're robbers through time it's a great film it's a really really good film and there's one scene in the film where they go back to the time of robin hood you know robin hood he's like kind of this semi-mythical character from english history and apparently he he lived in the he was um, an aristocrat uh, i think and he lived in the forest and uh with his band of merry men and they would steal from the rich and give to the poor so they were kind of philanthropic bandits living in the forest and in the film time bandits they actually go back in time and they meet robin hood and the funny thing about it is that robin hood is played as if he's kind of like prince charles he's played by um john cleese in the film john cleese from monty python and um uh, faulty towers and john cleese plays him like uh prince charles and he meets all of the, the robbers and uh, talks down to them. Oh, so you're a robber, are you? Jolly good. Um, And you can feel this kind of sense of superiority in the way that he addresses and talks to the robbers in this scene. So let's have a listen. You'll hear John Cleese speaking sort of quite posh and also hear him uh, kind of talking down to people, but being nice. Oh, the best, Mr. Hood. Jolly good. You're a a robber, are you? Jolly good. Uh, And do you enjoy robbing, then? 
Well, it helps pay the rent, sir. Ah, 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 jolly good. Ah, ah, ah. And you're a robber, too, are you? How long have you been a robber? Four foot one. Good Lord. Jolly good. Four foot one. Yes. Well, that, 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 that is, is a long time, isn't it? Well, now, I hear you've made a pretty good haul. Well, see for yourself, sir. So um, Robin Hood says, I hear that you've made a pretty good haul, meaning you've taken lots of stuff. And um, one of the dwarfs says, see for yourself, sir. And they reveal all of the treasure that they've stolen, including the Mona Lisa, which is in there too. I say, cracky. I mean, I've been in robbing for years, but I've never seen anything like this. Crammed. And you, you acquired all this by yourselves? Well, it was a good day, Mr. Hood. Jolly good day. It's nice, isn't it? Rather. Well, I mean, what can I say? Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you all very, very much indeed. Oh, don't make... What? Well, I mean, it's frightfully kind of you. The poor are going to be absolutely thrilled. Uh, have you met them at all? Who? The poor? The poor? Oh, you must meet them. I just know you'll like them. Charming people. Of course, they haven't got two pennies to rub together, but then that's because they're poor. Uh, <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, anyway, you just that was just a chance for you to hear an example of, uh, I guess, a bit of posh speech and also this sense of kind of superiority of kind of talking down uh, to, to people. All right. So that's the Queen, obviously, being extremely posh there. Uh, but uh, how do you know if someone is posh? Now, you know, if you met the Queen, you'd be like, oh, obviously, she's posh, right? Because it's the Queen. <laughs> Uh, but if you just meet someone, let's say you're in London or you're meeting some English person somewhere, how do you know if the person is posh or not? What are the indicators of poshness again? Let's apply those seven rules or indicators that were identified by Tim Downling. And I think they're pretty good. I think the seven types of poshness described by Tim Downling are pretty good, actually. For example, let's apply it to my family, all right? Uh, and we'll we'll talk about whether I'm posh or not using those seven things uh, at some point in this episode. So, I had a friend once who was convinced that I was posh. He was actually quite disdainful about it, like he was kind of a bit negative about it. He was from a working class or lower middle class background, and he lived in an urban area in a terraced house. That's a house that's like not, uh, that's a house that's connected to other houses on a street, a terraced house. So I knew him from college and we were in a band together. We played music together. He used to come to my place for band practice at the weekend. My family at that time lived in a house in the countryside outside the city. He had a car so he could drive to to our place. Our house was quite big. Admittedly, it was quite large. There were four bedrooms. I don't think I'm that posh, but I can see how some people might think that I am like this friend of mine. Let's call him Ian. So Ian thought my family, my house and my life were posh, but I reckon that was just from his point of view. Also, there's a bit of politics involved. And if you're left wing in the old fashioned kind of up the workers kind of way, then you would probably view the upper classes as the elite establishment who serve themselves at the expense of ordinary people. This kind of attitude runs through some people who kind of sneer at things they consider to be of the upper or upper middle class. So among some people, there is a sort of disdainful sneering attitude towards um, what they perceive as being poshness. 
I also got the impression that Ian was a bit resentful of these things and the fact that my parents were approachable and nice and I always felt a bit bad when he tried to make fun of me for being posh because I didn't see it that way at all. I thought he'd got me wrong. So here's what he thought made me posh. So first of all, my family didn't speak with a Brummy accent. Brummy, that's from Birmingham because I grew up in the countryside outside Birmingham and my family didn't speak with a Brummy accent and neither did I. Although actually, sometimes I did speak with a Brummy accent because there's video footage of me speaking and I definitely spoke with a bit of a Birmingham accent, but probably less than him. So, but generally my family didn't have much of a Brummy accent. They spoke with RP, received pronunciation, They were also quite kind of cool and groovy parents who shared similar tastes as me. Uh, We also had different words for some things. For example, he called it the living room or the sitting room, and we called it the lounge. He called it the settee or the couch, and we called it the sofa. Also, our house was just bigger, which meant that we probably had more money, but only because my dad had managed to get a good job at the BBC, perhaps because he went to Oxford University. Now, I know those things do make me sound a bit posh, like my dad worked at the BBC and he was at Oxford, but he got into Oxford because he worked really hard when he was younger and because his parents just brought him up well and because he's clever. No one else in our family went to Oxford except my dad and his brother who went to Cambridge. But my grandparents and my great-grandparents never went to Oxford or anything like that. My granddad was a civil engineer who worked in, who, who served in World War II. I think Ian's dad's, um, Ian's dad hadn't gone to university for whatever reason. But Ian would do all that stuff like, ooh, the lounge, why don't you lie down on the sofa in the lounge then? And all that kind of stuff because he was making fun of me. Now, I don't think he was right in thinking that I'm posh, because I'm not. I went to a state school, not a private one. I didn't speak with a proper posh voice. I just spoke, received pronunciation with some brummy, and there is video footage which shows that I had a brummy accent at the time, because I wasn't actually born in that area. You see, we moved to Birmingham from West London when I was nine. So I might have sounded posh to him, but I wasn't really, really posh. There's a difference between my RP and posh RP, and hopefully we'll hear some of that later. And crucially, there is no old money in my family, no landowners, nor the slightest hint of a connection to the nobility. The fact is, Although he would sometimes comment or make fun of me by going, ooh, the lounge, aren't you posh? Oh, you've got a gas Arga stove in the kitchen. Ooh, you know. Now, none of that really mattered to me at the time. I was more interested in how he played the guitar and what kind of music he was listening to. I probably was from a um, slightly higher class than him. Perhaps I'm middle or upper middle class and he was from a kind of lower middle class or something. But it's a bit ridiculous, isn't it? Don't you think to split hairs like this to talk about upper, lower, upper middle class? I think mainly it was the environment that I grew up in and the lack of certain working class tropes, like the kinds of brands that they would buy and even the way that they would talk to each other. And our house was full of art on the walls and books and stuff. 
I just felt like it was mainly my parents who had education and were interested in literature and things like that, rather than us being a posh family. Then these distinctions are quite petty, I have to say, but they are undeniable. There were differences between us, but I like to think that they don't really matter. That probably confirms that I'm from an upper middle class family, though. I don't know. So I'm not really in touch with Ian anymore, by the way. All of this can get pretty complicated and I wonder if things are similar in your countries. I can't really imagine what it's like in China, Russia or anywhere else for that matter. When you meet people, do you sometimes meet people who are obviously from a higher class? Can you hear it in the way that they speak? Can you see it in the way that they dress and the way that they behave? Is there some historical reason for that? I wonder. But to keep it as simple as possible, for me, genuine poshness is associated with truly upper class people. So you can act posh, you can sound posh, you can look posh, you can even smell posh, you can be considered posh by other people. But the only true sign of poshness is your family background, family connections, true upper class really means having connections to aristocracy, even quite remote connections. The more family connections you have to the aristocracy, the posher you are. These connections need to be hereditary ones as well, really, meaning things that you're born into. As long as you've got that, everything else you do doesn't really matter. You can speak like anyone else, look like anyone, live like anyone, have no money left, and still be super posh if it's in your blood. So, Let's have a look at family connections and we're going to talk about levels of aristocracy. So what is the aristocracy? Um, An aristocrat is someone from an aristocratic background, someone who's part of the aristocracy. So this is the genuine upper class in terms of inherited social status or poshness by birth. The aristocracy refers to two groups, basically the royalty or the royal family and the nobility. Okay, the royalty and the nobility. Together, this forms the aristocracy. So we'll start with royalty. So the royal family is the direct blood relatives of the monarch. So this includes the king or queen, princes and princesses. Dukes are also part of the royal family. Well, the royal dukes anyway, like the Duke of Edinburgh, Prince Philip. There are also noble dukes who aren't royalty. They're nobility. They're actually part of the nobility, but they're still called dukes. It's complicated, isn't it? Yes, it is a bit. So you've got noble dukes and royal dukes, royal dukes being part of the royalty or the royal family, okay? All right, so that's the queen and her immediate family. That's the royalty, the very highest level um, of social class. Then you've got the nobility, still part of the aristocracy, but just uh, the level below royalty. So there is a level below royalty, which is still part of the aristocracy, and that's the nobility. There are five levels of nobility or peerage. Peerage means the system of inherited titles of nobility. Again, something you're born into. So you, you know, you inherit a title and that title represents your uh, peerage, which is basically your, the, your level in the nobility. The ranks, ranks of the peerage are this in descending order. Starting at the top, we have Duke, so noble Duke. Then we have uh, Marquis which is actually spelt M-A-R-Q-U-E-S-S, but it's pronounced Marquis. Then uh, the then you have Earl, E-A-R-L, Earl, 
And after that, you have Viscount, which is actually spelt V-I-S-C-O-U-N-T. It looks like Viscount, but it's actually Viscount. And then lastly, we have Baron, okay? There's also the word Lord, which you might have heard of. Uh, The term Lord is used in several ways. The general word Lord is another way of referring to a member of the nobility, like a baron. So you could be any uh, any level of nobility and you would be referred to as a lord or a lady. Um, you will have heard this in Downton Abbey, that, that famous TV series. The main character is known as Lord Grantham, but he and he's a member of the nobility, but his real title is the Earl of Grantham. So he's actually an earl. Uh, the word lord is just a term of address for anyone in the nobility. So if anyone is a duke or a marquis or an earl or a viscount or a baron, they may be referred to as lord. But also, a lord is a political title given to someone who sits in the House of Lords in Parliament. So there's two types of lords. Lords uh, who sit in the House of Lords in Parliament, they are basically politicians, like senior politicians. And then there are the, the word lord, which is, a, which is a term of address for any member of the nobility, lord and lady. So most of these lords in Parliament are given their title by the government. They're selected because of their expert knowledge. So they're not actually from nobility. Uh, If you have someone in your family with one of those peerages or titles like Lord or Duke or Marquis or Earl or Viscount or Baron, it means that you have connections to the, the nobility, which is part of the aristocracy. So that makes you definitely very posh. So I wonder how many aristocrats I have listening to this podcast. Perhaps you have connections to aristocracy in your country. Of course, you might use different titles and things like that, but it's possible. If that's true and you're connected to the nobility, then hello, you're really posh, aren't you? It is possible. I mean, in in some countries, you know, aristocrats are just sort of, um, let's say, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, blended into society uh, in ways, in, in more uh, sort of equal ways than they are in the UK. Here in France, where I live at the moment, there was a revolution, of course, which ended the reign of the royal family when the country became a republic. But there are still noble families here and some very posh people. Um, I taught a few of them at university, as a matter of fact. If you remember, I used to teach English at a university here in uh, in Paris, and I was teaching at a university of law and a, a, a university with a long um, past and uh, uh, quite a good reputation. So we got quite a lot of posh people uh, coming to the university. So some names came up in my register that were clearly very posh. Usually in France, these posh names... Uh, these are names featuring the name of a place somewhere in France. So if the name has a a place in it, then it's probably very posh. I even had one guy who was a Windsor, W-I-N-D-S-O-R, Windsor. Yes, that's that's actually the surname of members of the royal family, the royalty in the UK. So I had one person in my class who was a Windsor, and I'm not even kidding. He was half English and half French, and he was related to the royal family on his father's side. He was some kind of aristocrat, and he told me that he knew Prince Harry, and that they actually went they went drinking together and stuff, and that he lived on a barracks in Westminster, 
Westminster is that central part of London. Not many people live there except the royal family. So that was interesting. In fact, that was both interesting and, and awkward because I didn't find out until the end of the course that he was an aristocrat. And one of the topics uh, that we had covered was monarchy in the UK. Uh, it was an English class at university, but this guy was basically bilingual. He still took my class, though, for some reason. I knew he was posh because he told me that he lived in Westminster when he spent time in London. And almost nobody lives in Westminster, in Zone 1 of London, except the Queen, the Prime Minister, some civil servants, some soldiers, and various super posh people. So I knew he was posh. And we'd spent some time dealing with arguments both for and against the abolition of the royal family in the UK, just as an exercise in academic writing and debating skills. And I wonder how he felt about that. He said he enjoyed the class, which was nice. Uh, but anyway, that was interesting. So anyway, I wonder if, if I've got any aristocrats listening to this, if that's the case. Hello. Uh, there's actually a list of peerages, those hereditary titles, where all the family connections are published. So you can actually find them all published. It's called Burke's Peerage, and you can get it online at www.burkespeerage.com. Um, and I've had a look in there. There are a few listings for Thompson, and they they are knighthoods mainly. It seems apparently knighthoods are also listed in there. A knighthood, by the way, is an honorary title given by the Queen. It doesn't make you part of the nobility or the royalty. Really, a knighthood is just a title. Um, so it's that's sir if you're a man and dame uh, for a damehood if you're a woman so that doesn't give you any advantages really it doesn't make you an aristocrat although I'm sure it helps you to book restaurant tables and so on so sir like sir Paul McCartney he was knighted he was given a knighthood those are listed in Burke's peerage but knighthoods don't count as being part of the aristocracy they're just sort of honorary titles it seems so complex because there are loads of complex volumes and lists. I'm not in there, and neither is my dad, of course. Now, if you don't have those connections, you're not really, truly posh. But you might be described as posh because you might have some aspects from other categories, or people might just judge you to be from a certain background. Uh, let's think of the example of Kate Middleton. Kate Middleton is an interesting example here. She's not really posh. She's not from an aristocratic background. Although I think, actually, when you look at a family tree, there may be one very vague connection to the aristocracy somewhere in there. But Kate Middleton is kind of known for being, quote-unquote, a commoner, like just a normal person, not a member of the aristocracy. And that was kind of what was interesting about her and her marriage to William, that uh, she was just sort of an ordinary person, and uh, and yet she made it into the royal family. Obviously, now she's an aristocrat because she married into it. But she didn't start out as being particularly posh. But she still is extremely posh. You can hear it in the way that she speaks, the schools that she went to, the people she spends time with. She obviously grew up very posh, but it was kind of like upward mobility. Her parents were, were quite clever in the way that they placed her carefully in the right schools and things like that. So she's definitely posh, but she doesn't really have that key... Uh, poshness of birth um, but uh, obviously now she's she's still super posh because she is um, married to Prince William so uh, here are a few other signifiers of poshness we've got education that's the school that the person went to especially if it's an exclusive public school also boarding schools schools where you sleep there 
you know, schools where you, you, you live there basically during this, the term. And also top university educations from co- uh, Oxbridge colleges. Oxbridge, that means Oxford and Cambridge. It's often referred to together as Oxbridge. Also wealth, of course, money, especially in the form of property or land, possibly farmland and maybe a stately home in the family, for example. So these are real indicators of poshness. If you own land, if you own farmland, and if you own a large, old, uh, stately home in that's maybe in the family. in uh, Across the country, in England, you'll find these stately homes, which were places that were probably owned by members of the nobility back in, uh, back in the past. Uh, now they may be kind of partly owned by the National Trust, or they might still be owned by private individuals. And that kind of wealth is usually an indicator of genuine poshness. Also, habit and lifestyle. Um, you've got things like certain sports, Posh people are interested in cricket and golf and tennis, horse riding, polo, uh, hunting, fine art, theatre, ballet, opera, gastronomic food. Now, those things are not exclusive to posh people, but you often find posh people are into those things. Definitely the ones involving horses. They're very horsey in general, posh people. And in terms of speech, we're looking at certain words and a certain accent. In fact, a few different accents, but certain recognisable posh accents. So here are some features of how posh people speak. It's a combination of accent and choice of words. It's actually pretty complicated. There are several types of posh speech, I have to say. There's old-fashioned posh, which is like those old BBC accents or the Queen's accent. You could call it old-fashioned heightened RP. Eh, hello, you're listening to the voice of the BBC terribly terribly posh like what can i say what can i say about this sort of thing well if you want to record a podcast it's actually very very simple you have to just uh, find yourself uh, various types of equipment that you'd need for example you'd uh, probably use a microphone and some sort of audio recording device which you connect to your computer and then you would uh, require some editing software. You'd put together the whole thing and then you simply upload it onto the internet for other people to listen to. Something like that. There's the old-fashioned posh. But there's also a modern posh accent that upper-class young people might speak. Someone like Prince Harry or Kate Middleton or the guy in the Gap Yard video you don't know about the Gap Yard video, so there'll probably be more on that later, maybe in part two. Modern posh young people might actually borrow certain words or features of colloquial speech from lower class culture, but there are still certain aspects of pronunciation that will reveal their poshness, particularly certain vowel sounds. So there's this kind of, this, this sort of posh person, uh, you know, so I'm just, we're just going to go down to the King's Road and maybe like catch a couple of drinks. What do you say? Uh, that sort of posh person. So modern posh people like William and Harry can sound really, really similar to middle class people like me. But they give themselves away with certain little clues in word choice, in pronunciation and just general attitude. It's parodied really well in a YouTube video called Gap Yar, which I'll deal with later on when we look at some examples of speech. The Gap Yar video is basically a sort of a very posh young guy who probably comes from Chelsea or Sloan Square, and he's 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 taking his Gap Yar, Gap Yar. That's Gap Year. I'm just on my Gap Yar, and he's gone to Burma, Burma, 
Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I'm in Barmer. Yeah, I'm on my gap yeah. Um it's a very funny video. We we might listen to it later. So I need to do more episodes that cover these types of speech in more depth. The best way for you to notice these things is to listen to a lot of samples of people speaking in these ways. So what I should do is other episodes that feature maybe William, Harry and Kate, comedy clips parodying modern posh people like the Gap Yard video, and perhaps clips from Made in Chelsea. Made in Chelsea is a sort of reality show focusing on rich people living in Chelsea. Also, I should do episodes with some old-fashioned posh RP, like clips from Downton Abbey or The Crown, or comedy parodies of old upper-class people speaking. Uh, That's a lot of content. You could also check out those things online. But here's an overview of how um here's an overview of some general features of posh heightened RP. So heightened RP or posh RP, to a large extent it's clear English with every sound clearly enunciated. To be honest, you will probably love it. I'm just saying, usually learners of English love hearing posh English because it's clear which really means it matches the old-fashioned English that was probably used to make old learning materials for decades. Mostly, posh English is just like normal RP, and you might not notice a big difference with my accent, but there are little features that mark out posh speech from just standard RP. These things are probably very difficult for learners of English to notice, but an English native speaker would pick up on them almost immediately. So let's look at some features of posh speech. First of all, you've got consonant sounds at the ends of words are not dropped. So words, uh, sounds like t or d are not dropped at the end of words. So if I just say that sentence again and just listen to the way the ends of the words are quite clipped. So you end up with consonant sounds at the ends of words are not dropped. So, okay, um, otherwise it would be like consonant sounds at the ends of words are not dropped dropped. Uh, okay, I'll say another sentence. These things are probably very difficult for learners of English to notice. Difficult to notice. A posh person might say, difficult to notice. These things are probably very difficult for learners of English to notice, but an English native speaker would pick up on them almost immediately. Um, no glottal stops, so none of those dropped T sounds. So it's not, can I have a glass of water? Can I have a glass of water? Can I have a bottle of water, please? It's, could I have a bottle of water, please? You can imagine Tom Hiddleston as Loki in the Marvel films. You know the way he enunciates everything very clearly and clips the ends of his words. But having said that, I can definitely imagine a posh guy in a pub ordering some drinks and intentionally dropping his teas um, just uh, to sound cool or when talking to a mechanic or something, you know. So you could hear a posh person going, yeah, uh, can I just get another uh, couple of sparkling waters? Yeah, thanks, Toby. Can I get, get, can I just get, can I get another couple of sparkling waters? Yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, or imagine like a posh person talking to a mechanic about his car and he's trying to sound kind of down to earth. Right, yeah, so uh, so you reckon the carburetor's fucked. Okay, chaps, well, let's bloody well make it unfucked pronto. <laughs> so um, sometimes posh speech will involve some features of like colloquial speech, but it's kind of on purpose. Also, TH sounds are pronounced fully, so th and the are pronounced fully and not as f or v. 
So it would be 33,000 months of Thursdays thinking thoughts. 33,000 months of Thursdays thinking thoughts. As opposed to someone with a London accent who would say 33,000 months of Thursdays thinking thoughts. 33,000. 33,000. So, so far, it sounds a lot like normal received pronunciation. But when we get into the posh stuff, you start to notice other things like triphthongs. This is when you get three sounds together. Triphthongs become flattened. So, power, our, can you hear the different sounds in there? Our, power becomes pa. Shower, sha. Riot, rat. Higher becomes ha. Fire, fa. Gap year, gap ya. Layer, lair. Mayonnaise would become mayonnaise. And player is like player. Okay? Right, so let me just give you a paragraph. I'm going to say this paragraph, and this is an example of very posh speech, okay? Oh, I'm terribly grabby after playing some rugger. I'm not much of a player. More of a spectator, really. Never was particularly good at sport, you know. Had a bloody hard time at school, I must say. I always found it so awfully competitive. But look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go off and have a shower now, I think. We've just had a rather good shower installed in the eighth bedroom in the north wing, actually. It's a, uh, it's a power shower, as a matter of fact. I tell you what, if Daddy saw me like this, he'd be bloody furious. Not the done thing at all. Ha, 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 ha. It would be it, it it would be somewhat awkward, let's say. He does get uh, exceedingly ticked off at that sort of thing. Rather rather an angry fellow, you know. My 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 father, you see. He'd he'd probably do something drastic, like get me fired from my job again, and I'd have to get hired somewhere else. Oh, so this is a podcast, is it? Jolly good. It's an absolute riot, isn't it? This internet stuff. I did a bit of English teaching in my gap year, actually. Oh yeah, it was bloody great fun, actually. Anyway, mustache. So certain words you'll hear, for example, adverbials like terribly, awfully, rather, not at all, exceedingly, somewhat, and frightfully. Okay, it's frightfully cold outside, isn't it? Awfully cold. Also, you would, you would hear posh people referring to their parents as mummy and daddy. Mummy and daddy, not mum and dad, but mummy and daddy, especially the girls. And also saying things like, yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, you know, oh, yeah, 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 you know, you know, quite a lot. Also, there are other posh signifiers like clothing. Obviously, posh people are going to wear expensive brands. But the posh look is probably like this. Probably wearing hunter boots, which are a certain brand of rubber boots for walking around in the countryside. Or maybe boat shoes, those shoes that you might wear if you're going to go sailing. Uh, a pair of chinos or slacks. Corduroy, maybe. Corduroy trousers or stonewashed jeans. A checked shirt, maybe, with a boating sweater on top. You know, the sort of sweater with a zip, maybe, at the front. Perhaps a polo shirt or a rugby shirt. Possibly a blue blazer. Uh, maybe like a blue blazer with a rugby shirt and stonewashed jeans and boat shoes. Maybe an old school tie, like literally the school, the tie uh, that went with the uniform from your old school. Uh, a wax jacket, like the sort of hunting jacket that you might wear in the countryside. Or a kind of puffy padded jacket. 
or possibly a puffy padded waistcoat, maybe like a green padded waistcoat with corduroy on the shoulder, you know, possibly a flat cap, like a a tweed flat cap, or maybe even tweed jacket, but not necessarily. Uh, Women might wear a fur waistcoat, maybe. Also, the men might have floppy hair, uh, a bit like Boris Johnson. And basically, it's dressing like they're either going to spend the day on a boat or they're going to spend the day hunting in the countryside. That's the kind of the posh look. Um, Formality and smartness. Now, you can imagine posh people dressing up in expensive evening wear, like wearing a a, a suit or a tuxedo, right? But also, you can imagine posh people having some eccentricity, like certain affectations of some kind. And scruffiness as well is quite normal. They don't always look really neat. Sometimes posh people can look kind of scruffy, maybe because they spend time outdoors on the farm or something. In terms of cars that posh people drive, basically it's Range Rover. The Range Rover is probably the most posh car that you could imagine. Um, Posh names as well. Often posh people can be identified by their names and things like double-barreled surnames are quite common. These are surnames with more than one part, especially if the pronunciation and spelling of the names are really different. So you have things like politician David Lloyd George or composer Ralph Vaughan Williams, astronomer Robert Hanbury Brown and also actors Kristen uh, Scott Thomas and Helena Bonham Carter are examples of double-barreled posh names. Also, not trying to be posh. Genuine posh people have actually nothing to prove and therefore they can be quite eccentric. So you might find posh people, someone like Helena Bonham Carter is quite eccentric and she might look kind of a bit odd, like a a little bit scruffy and funny looking, a bit crazy or a bit mad because posh people don't, don't don't really have anything to prove. They don't always have to dress very smart. In terms of behaviour, to be honest, posh people are just as likely to behave badly as non-posh people. The image of the Hooray Henry is a a well-known one. It's basically a sort of posh hooligan of sorts. Hooray Henrys might populate towns like Oxford and they'll get drunk and do stupid things. Some very posh schools have secret members clubs that involve nasty initiation rituals. For example, the Bullingdon Club, which was famous for smashing up restaurants and then throwing money down to pay for the damage. That was a real club. Former Prime Minister David Cameron was a member of the Bullingdon Club and so was Boris Johnson and also various other members of the Tory party establishment. Um, In terms of attitudes, it does depend on the individual and there are some extremely charitable and wonderful posh people. But at at its worst, the attitude of posh people is one of kind of disdain for the lower classes and an, an assumed sense of superiority, kind of looking down their noses. Um, where are posh people to be found? If you want to find some posh people, where are they? Well, you might find them in Chelsea, in London, in Sloane Square, on the King's Road, maybe in towns like Oxford or Cambridge, in the home counties, in places like Henley-on-Thames, um, in Ascot at the, the Ascot horse races and at Wimbledon during the tennis tournament. Um, there are some other categories of poshness. Let's go through some categories of poshness again. Which one is the most important? I think you've probably got it by now. So we've got the school, 
obviously is important, but non-posh people get into top schools all the time. You've got also the wealth, but plenty of non-posh people are rich and some really posh people are broke. The lifestyle, well, anyone can fake it. Anyone can live like a posh person driving around in a Range Rover in all the right clothing without being truly posh. Relationships with family uh, might be a, a thing. And, and it seems often posh families, there's a certain level of pressure from the parents to live up to certain high standards, maybe even distant relations with parents. But this is probably a bit old fashioned, but distant relations with parents due to growing up with nannies or maybe growing up in a boarding school so that the relationship with the parents might be a bit distant. Uh, gaining monetary support from parents, like parents buying an apartment or a car for the parents, for, for the kids, I mean. And also some t- a certain level of nepotism. Um, nepotism, this is basically when uh, you give advantages and opportunities to people in your family. Let's say you've got an uncle who works in the bank and your uncle helps you to get a good job in the bank. That's nepotism. Um, politics as well. The majority of posh people vote conservative, although occasionally some of them are socialists. But generally speaking, let's say posh people probably vote conservative. In terms of the accent, well, anyone can fake that, and many people do. Uh, Eccentricities. This is quite a good indicator. You might find that truly posh people are a bit odd. Think of Prince Charles talking to trees and wearing sort of timeless old-fashioned clothes. Owning land is a big one. Often posh people own large areas of land and might be involved in agriculture. But ultimately, it's all about those family connections. So what about this? How do most people feel about posh people? What what does the average English person think of posh people? Do we like posh people? Well, as as you might expect, it's complicated. It depends, and it's a matter of perspective. There are attitudes uh, towards truly uh, posh people. And then there are attitudes to people who act posh, but aren't. Also, it's a case of how people behave rather than which social class they belong to. Quite a lot of people don't like the aristocracy because of the associations with a lack of democracy, but it depends if they have personality. For example, it's possible to disagree with the concept of aristocracy, but to get on with an aristocrat. And also, I think people are generally quite warm towards Prince William and Prince Harry these days, because although they are posh, they don't go around acting all superior. They don't act in the in the sort of negative ways that we associate with posh people. We like eccentric, down-to-earth, kind and jovial posh people. But there's also a feeling that many posh people such as the posh people in the reality show Made in Chelsea, many of them are kind of snobbish or arrogant. They're small-minded, privileged, selfish, judgmental, elitist, patronising, superficial and cut off from reality. But maybe the thing about the people on that show is that we all know that in many cases they're not fully posh. They're just the product of social climbing. So it's not just a question of disliking people who have money. There is something about the attitude and the behaviour too. And of, and it is complicated. Some posh people have got, you know, very, very kind attitudes towards other people. And some posh people are just generally disdainful. 
Also, there's a sense of injustice, maybe, that these people enjoy high-status lifestyle and privilege, not because they've earned it, but because daddy paid for it. Some people argue that these people live in a bubble and don't understand the struggles of most ordinary people, and also that they look down on other people and, con- and consider themselves superior. Also, people tend to dislike those people who are social climbers, perhaps people who aren't truly posh, but who are desperate to raise themselves in social status and class, and perhaps who are very snobbish about people lower than themselves, as an expression of their class aspirations. For example, the character Hyacinth Bouquet from the TV show Keeping Up Appearances. She's uh, a middle-class housewife, or maybe she's, in fact, I think she's from a lower middle-class family, in fact, but she is desperate to appear upper-class. Ultimately, she's fake and she's a snob. But honestly, I think what people really don't like is if people are being fake, if people are faking it and acting superior when they're not, or if people are just being mean in some way, for example, assuming that they're superior to everyone and talking down to people. So it's basically being fake and being mean. These are the things that we don't like. When a person is genuinely posh and has proper connections to nobility, you might find that Brits are a bit more sympathetic to them. But people who are trying to show off their wealth and who have who have aspirations to being seen as posh but aren't really posh, we dislike that. They don't know their place. Don't get above yourself. This is kind of an important thing. It must be the same in your culture. Don't we all dislike it when people are fake or condescending or conceited, disrespectful and snobbish, regardless of their social background? Equally, we will like people who are charming, respectful, amusing, kind and so on, regardless of what their background is. Class is hard to explain to people who haven't had exposure to the culture, grown up here, met all kinds of people. You might not have the same feelings about this subject. It's also related to politics. A lot of the time people visit the UK and are absolutely charmed to pieces by people that the rest of the country might dislike for some reason. For example, a lot of Americans just fall over themselves when they hear a posh British accent. Even someone who isn't really posh, but just who speaks Uh, with received pronunciation, like me, for example, is immediately given something like noble status by Americans. Like, oh my God, I love your British accent. You sound so regal and sophisticated. Um, Often, if you speak like me, Americans will assume that you're somehow highly educated or sophisticated or something. Um, Foreign people are often fond of the stereotype of British people as being very posh, as if that's normal. But it's not really normal. For example, the image of the gentleman in a suit with a top hat or something, or the family from Downton Abbey who spend a lot of time drinking tea and talking in quite a formal and polite way. Most of us aren't posh, and we genuinely see uh, posh people as a bit weird and disconnected from real life. So are those stereotypes about posh people true? Are the stereotypes true? Well, partly. But I think that most truly posh people also face plenty of challenges and hardships of their own. There's also a certain amount of upward snobbishness and generalisation going on. People from middle class backgrounds might resent other uh, might resent upper class people. Um, I mean, like if you look at something like fox hunting, uh, 
arguably you could say fox hunting is actually a kind of an important aspect of country life that uh hunting foxes is an important way to control the population of foxes and if foxes you know aren't controlled they can get you know they can be damaging so fox hunting is actually a very important part of it and it's also an old tradition of country life but what you get here with fox hunting is you get sort of middle class people who live in the city looking at upper class people who live in the countryside and then kind of a certain upward snobbishness like hating that kind of lifestyle and then seeking to try and ban fox hunting so it's somehow considered acceptable to be judgmental and snobbish in an upward direction um some of the dislike of posh people is jealousy but not all of it it's not really fair to generalize we should judge people on an individual basis I'm sure plenty of upper class people are really great. We shouldn't judge all posh people by the people that we see in Made in Chelsea. It's probably not fair to tar them all with the same brush, just in the same way that we wouldn't generalise about any group in society. For example, you wouldn't say that all working class people are hooligans just because some of the actions of some football fans on TV. Nevertheless, a lot of people take the piss out of posh people, resent them for their privilege, and even hate them for the fact that they're rich because of old-fashioned elitism and the so-called Eton Mafia. So, now that you're armed with your new knowledge about posh people, do you reckon you can spot a posh person? Well, let's see. This is pretty much the end of part one, but before we finish, let's just go through those seven criteria uh, or maybe even eight criteria of posh people and just consider whether I'm posh or not. So we'll start with poshness of birth. Well, no, absolutely not. Uh, I have absolutely no connections to aristocracy in my family and my mum and my um, my granddad's girlfriend uh, both have done extensive research into uh, our family trees and they've produced like these big family trees that we've all got so we can see uh, our lineage and there is absolutely no connections to poshness in there at all we're english we're utterly english maybe with a little bit of welsh in there too but we are english for generation and generation and generation it seems coming from yorkshire as where my both my mum and dad's families originate with a bit of welsh in there too but no no uh, connections to aristocracy at all so no poshness of birth poshness of wealth um, I think that my family do okay. My dad, you know, had a good job at the BBC. Um, I'm an English teacher. I, you don't get lots of money doing that. Um, so in terms of poshness of wealth, well, I think I'm probably middle class in that sense. Um, poshness of accent. This is probably the one, one of the main ones where I score quite highly because I do speak receive pronunciation. I do speak quite clearly. I don't have a strong regional accent. I don't think I have those um, those features of really posh speech. I don't think I really speak like that. I don't think I really, really speak like that. You know, I don't have that sort of terribly posh way of speaking. You know, I don't really think I speak like that. Um, but my accent might sound posh to some people. So I'll probably score a few points there. Poshness of education? Well, not really. I mean, my dad went to Oxford. That's probably the poshest thing about my family is that my dad went to Oxford and worked at the BBC. In terms of my education, no, I've got a very, very normal, very ordinary education. I went to a comprehensive school, a state school. So it wasn't a private school. I went to a sixth form college. 
another comprehensive you know state run college uh, and then i went to university it's it wasn't one of the oxbridge universities uh it was just a, an ordinary uh former polytechnic university uh in liverpool so in terms of poshness of education no not really i'm utterly middle class the poshness of excellent taste well i'm not really into antiques fine art stuff like that fine wine gastronomic food i'm not really into any of that stuff I quite like it, but I'm into pop culture. That's my stuff. I like the Beatles and I like Star Wars and Marvel comic book movies and stuff. So no, I don't rank very highly there. Poshness of exuberant vulgarity, not at all. I think I'm kind of modest really in the way that I dress and the way that I live. I'm not, I don't have anything bling about me at all. In fact, if I, when I'm choosing clothes, I will intentionally choose clothes that are low key. I don't like to show off brand names and things. So no, poshness of of assumed superiority. I don't think I've got that really. Um, Poshness of eccentricity. uh, I don't know. I think I may be a little bit odd, but no, in no more than the average person. So there you go. I'm not very posh at all, even though I might sound a little bit posh. So there you go. Actually, you know what? Just to finish off, I've got this quiz on theguardian.com. And this this says, how posh are you? Take our quiz. Let's go through this quiz at the end of the episode. And we'll see how posh I am based on this quiz. So question, there are how many questions here? There are, ooh, how many? 20, 23 questions. All right, let's go through it. You can find the link to this, so you can do this too if you like. So question one, what do you call the people that you get drunk with? What do you call the people you get drunk with? Uh, do you call them your friends or do you call them a drinking society? Well, of course, I call them my friends. I think that uh, posh people might have a drinking society. Um, you can imagine like David Cameron when he was at uh, college or something. He was a member of various clubs, a drinking society. No, just my mates, my friends. Number two, do you have a degree in history of art? No, I don't, although many posh people would have degrees in history of art. Number three, do you think it's unfair to make fun of posh people? Well, not really, as long as it's, I mean, you know, I think it's okay to make fun of everyone. But yeah, there's certainly nothing wrong with making fun of posh people. In fact, I think you could, you should punch up as a comedian. You should be making fun of people in a higher status than you, not punching down at people weaker than you. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's okay to make fun of posh people. Uh, what is this item of clothing called? And this, there's a picture here. If you're wearing a tuxedo, you have your trousers and your shirt, and sometimes you have a kind of silk thing that, that goes over your belly. It's like a big wide belt made of silk. What's it called? Well, I think it's called a cummerbund. I think so. Number five, if you have to go to a white tie event, a white tie event is a very formal event. It could be a big dinner and you have to wear a white tie and a tuxedo and stuff. So if you have to go to a white tie event, do you need to rent or borrow an outfit? Yes, I do. I don't have a tuxedo, so I would have to rent one. So yes. Number six, have you ever been punting? Punting is kind of like a form of boating. In Oxford, they go punting. Uh, Punting is basically like these flat-bottomed, I think they're flat-bottomed boats where you can sort of maybe sit about three people and they lounge in these boats, maybe drinking champagne or something. And one person stands up at the back with a big uh, wooden rod, which they use to push the boat along the river. And 
um, it's they they're pushing the boat. Uh, they're pushing the wooden rod off the bottom of the river, off the riverbed, and it's called punting. Have I ever been punting? I have been punting once when I was a little kid when we visited Oxford, I think. So yes, I have, but it's not something I do a lot. But posh people are known for punting. It's one of those posh things. Number seven, do you know anyone who knows anyone from the cast of Made in Chelsea? No, I don't. I don't know any of those people, and I don't know anyone who knows any of those people at all. Completely out of my social circle. Number eight, have you ever bought anything at Jack Wills? Hmm, Jack Wills must be a clothing brand. Let's have a look at Jack Wills and see the kind of stuff that you can buy there. I guess it must be a clothing brand for posh people. Uh, Let's have a little look here. Some pictures. Jack Wills. So we're looking at sweaters and um, kind of a preppy preppy sort of clothing a bit like the stuff i described before have i ever bought anything at jack wills no i haven't never number nine was one of your childhood pets a horse or a pony no my childhood pets were gerbils and goldfish and cats and things so no never had a horse or a pony i told you posh people are very horsey oh yes we're getting oh yes we're getting hyacinth a pony for her birthday oh we thought it was about time she had her own pony you know Mm-hmm. Number 10. What's this item of clothing called? It's one of those padded waistcoats that you might wear if you're going horse riding. I don't know what it's called. Is it a sash? Is it a cummerbund? Is it a gilet or a cravat? I think it's not a... Is it a sash? I'm going to say it's a sash. Number 11. Have you ever paid to become a friend of an art gallery or theatre? So if you become a friend of an art gallery or theatre, it means you kind of become a patron. and You pay and you might get like theatre tickets or something. No, I haven't. Um, Do you know how to play croquet? No, I don't. Croquet is a kind of garden sport, a summer sport played by posh people. And it involves metal hoops, which are pushed into the into the grass in in the lawn of a garden and then you get these big wooden hammers and wooden balls and you have to kind of like hit the balls through the metal hoops no i don't know how to play croquet number 13 have you ever been to the royal ascot ascot is a horse racing event where posh people go no never been to ascot i don't think i'm very posh number 14 do you own a shooting stick Hermes headscarf or a boot jack? No, I don't. A shooting stick is probably a walking stick that you go that you take when you go shooting. A Hermes headscarf, probably some kind of silk headscarf that you wear, or a boot jack. A boot jack is something you use to clean mud off your boot. No, I don't own any of those things. Number 15. Do you ever drop Latin phrases into casual conversation? This like dropping some Latin into your your talking. No. I don't really know any Latin. Number 16. Have you ever been to Glyndebourne Opera Festival? No. You can imagine posh people going to Glyndebourne Opera Festival. Number 17. Do any of your friends have a name from the list? I suppose the list is a list of peerages. No. Do three or more of your friends have a name from the list? No. Is your name on the list? No, it isn't. What's this item of clothing called? And it's kind of like a silk scarf that you wear under your shirt instead of a tie. I think this is a cravat. Number 21, does your family make money from EU farming subsidies? No. I suppose if you own a farm, you might get subsidies from the EU. Uh, Number 22, do you know what the wall game is? I don't know what the wall game is, but it's some sort of traditional posh game that they play at Eton, I think, the wall game. 
And number 23, are any of your family listed in who's who? Who's who is some sort of list of people in high society, I think. So there you go. I've done all 23 questions. I'm going to submit my answers. Let's see how posh I am. Uh, Results? Do we get any results at the bottom? Okay, so I got three out of 23. Uh, Does it have, is it going to tell me anything? Does it not say anything? That's it. I just get three out of 23. Well, I think I'm not posh. I think that's what we can assume from that. There's no text though saying you're obviously normal and not posh at all. Well, there you go. Okay, so that is it, ladies and gents, for part one. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you understand a bit more about what it means to be posh now. And um, what I need to do next is do part two of this, where we listen to some samples of celebrities from the UK speaking and we decide if they're posh or not. And I can also read uh, some details from their Wikipedia pages so we can see about um, information about their backgrounds and then we can basically judge some celebrities on their social class. Okay, um, jump into the comments section and let me know if um, if it's the same story uh, where you are, okay? Um, and do you have, you know, do you have posh people in your country and how do you know if they're posh we're going to end the episode actually by listening to gap yar okay now i'm not going to explain all of this i'm just going to let you listen to it but basically uh the the summary of this is that there's a guy he's on his gap year or gap yar in burma and he talks about the things that he's seen and he talks about how humbling it has been like for example he's come face to face with people living in poverty and uh, he talks about how meaningful it, it is for him and how he made a connection with like this woman who was dying from malaria or malaria. And then he talks about how he just chundered everywhere or and I just chundered everywhere. To chunder is to throw up or to be sick because you will hear posh people, like I said, like these sort of hooray Henry type people. Uh, on the King's Road in Chelsea, maybe on a Saturday morning, going, oh, uh, Tarquin, I was so drunk last night, I was absolutely wasted, right? I just got home, uh, I got home, right? And I just chundered all over the carpet. And then I had to get, uh, I had to get, I had to call my cleaner and ask her to come over and clean it up. I was so wasted. Um, Because that's kind of a thing that you might hear posh people doing, like bragging about how drunk they were. Anyway, uh, the um, I think the the thing is at the end is that it's revealed that he's been arrested in Burma. Okay, let's listen to Gapya, and that'll be the end of the episode. Thank you for listening. I'll speak to you again on the podcast soon. But for now, goodbye. Bye. 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 Oh no, Tarquin, I I can't come shopping on the King's Road today. Yeah, because I I'm literally in Burma. Yeah, no, uh, I'm on my Gapya at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe you said that because that really reminds me of this time on my gap year. Yeah, I was, uh, I was in Africa, in Tanzania, and I saw this woman with malaria. She had, like, flies all around her eyes, and she looked at me with this vacant stare but with a sense of endearing hope, as if to say, you know, despite our differences, you and I are one, we're kindred spirits. 
Yeah, and then I just thundered everywhere. I was like, I'd been on the lash the night before. Bit of the rack shit. Best night of my life. Best night of my life. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I can't believe you said that because that really reminds me of this time on my gap. Yeah, yeah. I was in South America, in Peru. Peru. No, Peru, darling. Peru. Peru. Oh, yeah, yeah, Pura, Pura, yeah. Wonderful country, you know, beautiful people, yeah. Um, yeah, no, uh, we were trekking in the Andes and the sun was just rising and glinting off the snow, creating this sort of ethereal haze. And I really got a sense of the awesome power of nature and the insignificance of man, you know. And then I just chundered everywhere i was like all over the snow i was like have that nature one nil <laughs> yeah made, made a little volcano all the little chunklets froze <laughs> amazing <laughs> yeah, yeah. um no no you're yeah you're so right you're so right global warming it really is an insignificant truth yeah no, it, actually, it's funny you should say that because it really reminds me of this time now. Because I, yeah, I'm still on my gut here. Yeah, yeah, I'm in Burma on this kind of spiritual, cultural, political exchange thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, um, I'm kind of in, kind of in prison. Yeah, yeah. It turns out they're quite hot on you bringing naughty salt into the country, and yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's so spiritual and political and cultural, but it's also kind of brutal and demeaning. I mean, there's not much food, and I don't really know what anyone's saying. And the other day, the guards took me out at gunpoint into into the square, and and then I just chundered everywhere. Yeah, we'd been on the lash the night before in the prison. Bit of the, bit of the supplies. Yeah, I was like, oh, banter. <laughs> yeah, amazing. It's <laughs> just like Fulham. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that was Gap Yar. Thank you for listening. Speak to you soon. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project 
possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.